Welcome to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Jen Nicholson. And I'm Blair Cook. Today we're talking with Francois Banvel, who is an executive partner with Gartner Executive Programs, where he manages leadership relationships across the firm. In this capacity, he acts as mentor, trusted advisor, and consultant to senior IT executives and the entire leadership team of Gartner. Francois is a converted physicist, and he has more than 15 years of experience and expertise in the fields of information technology. He has worked around the world, including Europe, Middle East, and North Africa. Mr. Banville possesses an expertise in managing highly technical teams and keeping them motivated and knowledgeable across thousands of different technologies in the world today. His areas of expertise include IT auditing, segregation of duties, data privacy issues, infrastructure architecture, including multi-vendor telecommunications, servers and data centers, ERP, messaging, and office automation. Wow, he is one smart guy. He is, and today we're going to try to tackle looking at some of the leading technologies that are out there and filtering them through Gartner's hype curve and seeing how fast these technologies will evolve in years to come. Can't wait. Let's get started. Welcome, Francois. Thank you. We're pleased to have you here with us today. Could you tell us a little bit about your, your background? How did you get into you know, the technology space in the first place, and, and why are you so interested and passionate about this? Well, I, I studied as a, as a physicist and uh, actually made a, a master in uh, nuclear spectroscopy. And during my work you know, preparing this thesis, I realized that I was not so good in the physics uh, of, of, of the work. But, but I was pretty interested by the technology around it. The, uh, so I, I worked with electronics, I worked with programming, and I worked uh, a lot with uh, data interpretation and so on. So I decided not to, come to, not to pursue physics and to- Nuclear physics. Nuclear physics. <laughs> Nuclear physics, and then you, you, you uh, morphed uh, into something else. Exactly, so I, I got a first job at uh, City of Sherbrooke, and this is where I started to uh, basically explore technology in a more practical manner. And all the decisions I made since uh, brought me to uh, to Gartner and to uh, to work with people some, very very eager to hear about uh, emerging technologies. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about some of these top technological trends that are going on there. And for many CPAs out there, like it's so daunting how many different technologies are uh, coming at us. Yes. Uh, how do you actually stay on top of all the technologies that are out there? Well, first of all, we're we're not alone. Uh, we have we have about two thousand analysts who actually track uh, a lot of new technologies. And we, we basically track typically about 2,000 technologies that we refresh every year. So every year some, some are dropped because everybody do it, does it or, or because they become obsolete. And some new ones are added to the, to the fray. And um, we track these technologies on two, two basic axes. One is how fast they will be adopted. Some technologies are adapted are adopted very quickly, like you know within two years, and some technologies take more than ten years to to start from idea and hype all the way to uh, being adopted. And so, and we also tell people who want to look at technology where the te- these technology lie in terms of maturity or in terms of adoption. Okay. And and this is where we've developed this tool. And the tool is the, the, the hype cycle? The hype cycle, okay. exactly. Why, why don't you spend, spend some time, use this hype cycle to, to vet and to screen out these technologies as to which ones have the most potential in, in the near 
in the near term. So maybe walk us through the, the model of the, uh, the yeah. hype cycle. So, so the hype cycle is a model developed by one of our analysts, uh, Jackie Fenn. And she, she looked at everything that was uh, new and she figured out that it, they all follow the same pattern. So everything starts as hype meaning we talk about it in the newspaper, we talk about it in, in the business press, and, and basically the technology doesn't have anything behind it. It's just something people talk about and the promises of what that technology could bring. So, so we see technology go through this, this big wave of hype and mm -hmm. it peaks and then people start to use it or start to look at it seriously and then they realize that the hype is not justified and it falls down into kind of a, a throat of disillusion. Or it's premature, I guess, the hype is because it maybe talk about the tail end of the curve as well. Cause not, not Yeah, premature is also part of it. But really, the problem is that people believe the technology will do a lot of things and it does some things, but not that much. So and this is where the, this, the second part of the model comes in. Uh, when people realize what the technology cannot do, but also what the technology can do, it is it starts to be adopted in organization. And uh, at the beginning, the rate of adoption is very slow. But as the technology matures, as the providers mature, uh, then the adoption accelerate all the way until it becomes adopted by everyone or most people, and then it plateaus. Okay. So the combination of these two curves, the hype plus the adoption, makes up for this curve that we call the hype cycle. Yeah, and I have the benefit of sitting here with you today and, and you're showing, you're drawing this out for me. Maybe there looks like there's, what, five phases to this hype cycle? Maybe just describe the, the five phases so that our listeners can get a real feel for the hype cycle. Right. So um, so the, the curve basically is a, is a big hump that, that starts with uh, a, a trigger. And as, as the technology goes up, the hype of this curve, the hype part of this curve, uh, we, we call that the innovation trigger. And, and this is where the technology is basically just a, a, uh, a name that is promoted by providers trying to sell their stuff. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot of hype. It's a lot of wind. It's a lot of um, ideas and promises. And, um, and then it reaches the peak of that of that hype and uh, we call that the peak of inflated expectation right this is where we believe that technology will will do everything you can you can for instance you know if you think about blockchain and bitcoins oh yes so there was, there was a you know capital markets people were raising just changing their names literally exactly. inflated their their market cap and, and that's hype you know it's it's based on hype and you know, if you if you really dig into it and start to see, look for examples of where this is applied or where this is used, you don't find much, mm -hmm. right? So, after it reaches that peak of of hype, then uh, people start to realize that the technology is not meant for everything. They try it and they fail, or they try it and they see it's not exactly what they were expecting. So. The curve, you know, goes down into this trough of disillusion. This is where people realize that, well, we thought it would do this, but it doesn't. However, we find some use cases where the technology is useful. And for those use cases, we start a new part of the curve that we call the adoption curve. 
and we go through first a slope of enlightenment where the technology becomes more mature for a very specific use case. Yeah, so it's an upward sloping. So once again, we're, we're, we're regaining some of the hype, but exactly. it's at a, at, a, at a more Well, um, people will talk about it, yeah, but we don't call it hype because yeah. at that point, it's no longer hype. It's, it's real cases, real examples, real, you know, uh, real stories of people who have tried it and, and used it and, yeah. and had successes with it. So, so it's, it's more a adoption than hype. And then the curve tapers off into a plateau And that's where you know most organization who needed uh, those use cases to find solutions for those use cases have adopted that technology, and and this is where we we call this the the uh, the plateau of productivity where the technology becomes really something that pays for itself. So you take these two thousand different technologies, and you look at them through this lens. Exactly. And how does this lens, does it narrow the number of technologies that really uh, companies and, and CPA should be focusing on? How, how, does that, how does this filter those 2,000 technologies? Well, it, it positioned them on the hype cycle. And I think that you should be interested in all these technologies, but you can take a different stance Depending the, on where they are. Depending on where they are. Right. So if you're in that first phase that we talked about, the innovation trigger, you know, perhaps it's a little too early to start changing out your, exactly. your systems and business models. Exactly. It would be a little too early. And and so most people really just observe at that point, you know. And But some entrepreneur, um, you know, if, if you want to do a, a venture capital investment or if you want to uh, start a new business, and you, you really want to be ahead of the curve and have a lot of time to mature your, your solution before it becomes um, a, a well-known technology, this is probably where you would start to look for. You know? So we probably don't have time, obviously, in, in the time we have together, go through 2,000 different technologies. Of course not. Let's, let's see if we can tackle and look at some of the technologies in each of those five phases just so that people get an awareness as to uh, what are some of the technological trends out there that we should be aware of. Yeah. Well, I have some I have some examples. Sure. Um, let's let's start with the the innovation trigger phase, that early stage which is just yeah. ready to go parabolic on the the hype scale. What, what would you put in that uh, So, the technology I chose in that in that segment that I thought was was really uh, evoking, you know, a lot of uh, ideas and and dreams. Uh, we call it nanoscale 3D printing. So, 3D printing is this idea that we can print objects and Printing objects, uh, you know, normal scale objects is, is mainstream today. You know, you, if you want to have a, an object, uh, your face in plastic, you know, mm -hmm. we can print that today. And, and it's, it's actually commercially available and it's easy. So it's mature. But printing at nanoscale, that's something else. Printing at nanoscale is printing things so small, they could actually be injected into your body. Really? Right. Really? So there's medical, they're really for medical applications or? That's one application, but you can imagine all sorts of applications if you could print at that scale. Uh, you could build materials, uh, new materials that, that you know, would be really, you would place atoms exactly where you want them to be uh, in order to create very complex materials. You could build um, you know, machines that would go into your body and, and you know, regulate the way your spleen is working. So it opens up a lot of possibilities. And, and this is typical of a technology at that point place in, in the hype cycle. 
the use cases are very, very hazy, very, very hard to define. And I'm just having a hard time wrapping my mind around use cases for something that small, though I'm sure if you, you think <laughs> about it. Uh, well, you can read Asimov. And, uh, who, who's the, coming up? Is this, is this coming from the academic world or Silicon Valley? Where, who's thinking about this stuff? Um, good question. I, 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 I must admit, I cannot really tell you, but um, typically we see uh, entrepreneurs, uh, people, people have been, you know, working on trying you know, print, printing tissues and printing all sorts of things. Yes. And they say, well, what, what could, what would it be if we could print nanoscale? So it, it could be, it could be from a science fiction novel. It could be, it could be an entrepreneur. It could be a, a scientist. Um, the hype comes from all sorts of places, and when you think about it, it doesn't have to be really uh, feasible. I mean, by definition, it's not feasible at that stage. But we, I think we're ready to consider it. We, we have made advances in printing at a very small scale, and nano is just one step, you know, a step ahead. So that's typical of that phase. But now if, if we jump to the next phase... Yes, um, now we're in the, the, the peak of... Uh uh, the peak of inflated expectations. Inflated expectations. So what, what kind of a technology of our 2000 technologies is in the peak of inflated expectations? Well, one of those technologies would be 5G. 5G is uh, the next communication network for cell phones, right? Um, but it's not positioned only for cell phones. It's the next communication between cars as you drive uh, through the city. It's the next communication channel between objects uh, in your house, uh, in your in your plant. So we can't uh, do that with 4G or 3G or. Well, currently, uh, currently, uh, 4G has limitations. Uh, it's a very um, power-hungry technology, right? Your phone will only work for half a day, you know. Maybe a full day if you're really, lucky, the, right? The, the network that it's on consumes batteries at different. Pa different well, your rates. phone, your yeah. phone that is part of your 4G network. Yeah. You know, if you use it, it drains the battery very quickly. Oh, okay. And uh, so the promise of 5G is to have very low uh, energy consumption on on the on the connected devices, so that you could stay on the phone for you know two days rather than half a day. So I can imagine the tel the telecom companies and the the mobile providers are all over this technology. Exactly. Exactly, and and the, the race for who's going to be the lead in uh, in five G uh, has political ramifications as well. Uh, you know, if you, you let, let's say what Trump is doing uh, in his fight with uh, Huawei uh, in in China, it's it's all around five G, providing five G infrastructure. So, so we're we're there. We are at the hype of uh, at the summit of, of the peak of this hype. And uh, the promises of 5G is low energy, uh, higher density, so you can have more devices in the same, in the same location or in this roughly the same uh, area. Yeah. Um, you can also lower latency. Uh, so basically you can communicate um, with, with less, it would take less time to communicate important information. So let's say you have a device that actually detects uh, a car in front of you that is breaking, uh, well you want that signal to come to your computer that's that's acting on your brakes to act very quickly. So the latency of this communication, you want it to be as low as possible. So what so, puts this technology in the the peak of inflated expectations? Is it because you're because after this, as we know, there's a very steep slope that's going to come down. Uh, so what, what's the what's the brutal facts of reality that have five G have yet to confront? 
Well, um, I think many, um, how it's going to be deployed, um, you know, are we going to see, it, it will take many antennas, uh, much, many, much more. So than, the infrastructure to support 5G does not yet it, exist. It doesn't exist. And uh, are we going to see, you know, all four 5G providers uh, building antennas everywhere in our cities? Or are, are we going to adopt a different business model for, for sharing infrastructures? Uh, this, these, there's a lot of questions around the business model for 5G that, that still remain. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, as you start to, to do use cases, you might realize it's good for this, but it's not very good for that. Maybe it's good so, for urban centers, not so good for rural. Exactly. Something like that. Is that something like that? Am I thinking about it the right way? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, uh, and the truth is, you know, even today, 4G is not deployed, you know, everywhere. No. So no, we still got places in Canada that are trying to get internet access. Or fiber so access, point, or exactly. whatever. So, it's, so it's very likely that it's going to be deployed in large urban areas, but there might be other use cases that that would be beneficial if it, if it would apply deploy as well as well. Okay, so that's a good example. Let's let's move down down to our, our next phase of uh, the the hype cycle, if you will, and talk yeah. about uh, what's your third uh, technology. Uh, I chose uh, autonomous driving level four. So um, so we are entering this part of the hype cycle where people start to see that it's not so simple it's not so easy as as we were as the hype promised and um, so autonomous driving uh, we've we've heard about autonomous driving a lot and um, at Gartner we we I th not only at Gartner I think it, there's a consensus model around autonomous driving uh, autonomous driving levels and there are five such levels uh, you know, the first level is basically just a little uh, human assist. You know, the, 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 is that the, like a GPS in my car? Or is well, a little bit more. You know, maybe maybe when you when you drive and uh, you you don't keep a straight line and you start you know moving off the road, it alerts uh, you or something. Something will you okay. know, something will move or a bell will ring to yeah. remind you that you might be want to wake okay, up. Okay, so and, that's that's and, level one. It's just assisting yeah. assisting the driver. You know, it's very light. Um, if you're on a slippery road and you, you switch over to all-wheel drive from two-wheel drive. Or you drive. have some message. I mean, I had this, this car I'm telling me that I should stop for coffee because I was no longer driving straight. You know, that, that kind of... Uh, so, so level one is well, well embedded in all cars today. Exactly. Okay. And um, uh, level two, level three, it's, it's more, um, you know, more intertwined with the driving. So you, you still need a driver, but you have functionalities that go a little bit beyond just the assist. For example, um, most car that you would buy today uh, would would have a, a automatic detection of a car braking in front of you, and if oh. and if you don't brake, you know emergency braking would it'll, be it'll automatically apply. Okay. Right? So, what about uh, self-parking cars? Is that a level two or a level three? Probably. Because, well, the one I tried will were level two because. You know, it would tell me how much to turn the wheel, but I would have to turn the wheel myself. Oh, okay. Right? It, it would not. It, it's it not a hands-off. Yeah, just driving yeah, do experience. it in parallel park for me. Yeah. yeah. So, so th there's a range, and autonomous driving level four is probably um, what what Tesla is aiming for right now, for the time being, to to have a a self-driving car that almost doesn't need any human intervention. Um, uh, Level five would be fully autonomous. 
then you know you wouldn't need even a, uh, you could sit a in the back wheel. seat and you let it go st- exactly you sit in the back read your journal yeah uh, and and the car would take care of itself so at level four you're just there guiding it you're you're there kind of, you you would you would have to take over the car if it makes a mistake for instance um, so so that's level four and we thought we were pretty close but we realize right now that we're very far from it I mean it might work you know on a highway with very clean lines and but if you if you get off the highway and start driving in snow or in, in on a where there's on, construction or exactly so the, the car doesn't have any 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 lines to steer from and you know it, it loses the ability to be autonomous so we're we're starting to see that it's not so easy it has a lot of limitations I predict that to go much beyond this we'll need uh, roads that are built for autonomous cars with sensors in the in the street that tells the car where to go with signs that are talking directly to the computer not just signs that you recognize yeah. uh, so I guess on. it's in this phase of the hype cycle because we've talked about it for years we found out that there's challenges and so we're now all the way back down to something's more realistic exactly and now that people are trying to find the use cases exactly and then if we go move a little bit beyond that we we enter the slope of enlightenment so what do we have for a technology example that's in the slope of enlightenment where we're now starting to see some adoption uh, well the one I chose is uh, is a very simple technology uh, it's called RFID for logistics and transportation what does RFID stand for? RFID I think it's radio frequency ID identification so basically it's uh, it's like a barcode but yet that you can read from afar you right. don't need to be very close to read an RFID so the idea um, would be actually there was an article in the in, in the journal this weekend on on automatic um, tellers at, at uh, shopping you know, right when you go you go to buy fruits and and basically you would you would go and and weigh the stuff yourself and put yes. them in bags yourself and it's it's that's a, how do you call R- that uh, yeah the the automated uh, checkouts automated checkout that's yeah. that's the word so that, that's for. using that technology RFID. it's not it's not it's not yet it's not yet what does it need to do to get to there but I, but so the my point is we should be using that RFID and we should tag the the objects so that you don't even need to stop oh and, and you just walk out the door walk, just walk out the door Fill your fill your grocery basket. Walk out the door. And your credit card is charged with with what you you know the FRD that was detected, and so that's that's the probably the next step to this technology. Ah, And and this is ready. This is used already by many companies. Um, But you could tag anything. You could tag your your uh, your the goods you're producing. Uh, You could tag the packages that you have to transport. Uh, I think companies like UPS are actually tagging. you know very precious cargoes like hearts and, and yeah, tissues yeah. and uh, then they would tag that with an RFID so that they can track them uh, easier than, than just, I'm just, just I'm, a barcode. I'm picturing in my mind tagging a cucumber and why not yeah I literally put like a price tag on it which would have some little nanotechnology embedded a, uh, just a radio frequency yeah, just, in it yeah and I walk out the door That's, it's passive it doesn't need power yeah and it's read uh, by archers uh, in a conference like this you know you could actually read uh, you know you, the people who are coming into the conferences uh, by reading an RFID that would be on the badge. Does it go through like the radio frequency? It has to be read. Does that go through the cellular networks, or does it go through? It, it's actually read by um, uh, a magnetic field. So you basically create a, an arch with a magnetic field, and and as it goes through, you have a signal 
that bounces back to you. So that magnetic field surrounds, say, a store in the grocery store? It surrounds store. an arch that you would go through. Okay, so it's even smaller than that. It's around a door that yeah, you would exactly, walk through. Exactly. Okay, I'm starting to get around. You could also have readers, uh, yeah. but, but typically it would be an arch. Yeah, so you put an arch at the front of the, the grocery store, people walk out, and they, their yeah. credit card gets dinged. And exactly. so this, this is where you're starting to see use cases well, emerging is, for our FID. The, te the technology is mature. Uh, of course, you know, you still have to take care of things like fraud. and, and But for, for use cases where people are not trying to go around the system, uh, this would work out of the box, more or less, without too many efforts. Very interesting. Uh, All right, so let's go over to the final uh, uh, phase of the, uh, the hype yeah. cycle and give an example of uh, yeah. a technology there. So the final phase of the hype cycle is basically telling you that, you know, if there's a technology that you need that is in this final phase, it means that everybody else, everybody else is doing it and you're already late at, at the show. So it's basically the technologies that you should probably adopt because you, you will be left out in, mm -hmm. in the cold uh, if you don't. What, what do we have for an example there? An example would be um, something like Cloud Office. If you still manage your own email systems internally and, and you still have all these servers and people managing disk storage for, for all these attachments and so on, you're probably a little bit late in the game. I mean, you, should, you should really think about moving that off on the cloud and using services like you know, uh, Microsoft Office or other equivalents. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the uh, the software and the ERP vendors are almost driving you that way. Like, exactly. I don't even know if you can buy Microsoft Office. Uh, yeah, you still can. You, you still, still can. can. You just don't see it anymore. Well, we see it, but uh, it's because, because it's, you know there are many yeah. obstacles and many many difficulties in doing so, but but certainly the trend is that you know more than half people have done it. So, But it's a good example because cloud's been around, I don't know, since when, late 2008, nine is when it started gaining, well, gaining prominence, but I'm sure it started before that. Yeah, I can't I can give you a date. But, but it, yeah, it, it, it took sounds, a long time for people to get their mind time. around this this concept of the cloud. It's a good example of, of the, the hype cycle because yeah. it, it was very much hyped, you know, 10 years ago, but it took a long time for people to adopt that. Yeah, I, w I, would, I would say that it, it took a long time because most people who were involved in making those decisions were making decisions about their own livelihood. And uh, so it's difficult to, to recommend to your bosses to, yeah, we should use a, a cloud service for this. And by the way, you, know, you probably don't need all of us anymore. So it's, it's, just using that as an example, like cloud technology, let's say it took a decade to, to happen. Does, does the hype cycle unfold over, say, a decade? Or does it vary by the technology? Or how, exactly. how, does the, how does the hype cycle help us? Um, yeah. So, so for each technology that we plot on the hype cycle, we also uh, we use a symbol, and that to, to position the, that technology on 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 the curve, and the symbol uh, indicates how long it will take for the technology to go across the hype cycle and reach the the, the plateau of productivity. And so, so the worst case is that the technology will take more than ten years to reach any sort of plateau of productivity. And nano printing, you know, nanoscale printing is you one have of that, those. You have it's it going to take. You have ten years on that one. You have ten years before yeah. it reaches a point where you know you might consider that adopting that. What was an example of a technology that had a very short hype cycle? Can so, you think of one? Yeah, I can think of uh, very short. Uh, RFID, you know, it's it's being adopted. What's ARFD? Uh, RFID. Oh, RFID. Yeah, yeah, the radio tagging. frequency. Yeah, so, that, yeah, that the, one didn't didn't take so long. The, well, I don't know how long it took to get there, but now it's at a point where we we expect that you know most use cases will be implemented in less than two years. Everybody will be using it. It's going to change the way I buy groceries. It will. It yeah. will. Yeah. So, uh, and 
you know, sometimes uh, some technologies that we track uh, actually become obsolete before it even reaches the plateau of productivity. And that's that's a case. So we, we basically show it in, in the next year a hype cycle, but then we drop them from, from the curve. Um, just as we start wrapping up, you know, our, our audience is CPAs. Any technologies in there that uh, you can think of that would be relevant to a professional uh, financial person um, that we should be watching for? Well, uh, in the technology I talked in my speech, uh, I talked a lot about um, uh, artificial intelligence to support uh, uh, data analytics. Um, uh, I think I think that CPAs need a lot of data to make decisions, and uh, the traditional way of using data is to understand what has happened. Uh, it's mostly you know looking backward. Uh, more and more technology that uses data can become a predictive technology. It, it can give you data can be used in order to make predictions, and CPA need to master. Uh, using data in order to make predictions. So you think the artificial intelligence, and I'm just uh, trying to translate that into my own businesses, is going to help us sift through our you know millions, billions of data points and help us make better decisions. Exactly. The uh, currently, if you want to use data to make prediction, you almost need to be a data scientist. You need to know about. Monte Carlo's and all these, you know, mm -hmm. regression testing and all these these mathematical construct in order to use the data to make predictions. More and more, artificial intelligence are bringing these capabilities to a non-scientific expert. So you can be a, a CPA with with limited knowledge of these techniques, but you can still uh, apply these techniques on the data using being assisted by artificial intelligence. And this is a, a very, it, it's still, I would say, you know, we're, we're talking five to 10 years before before it gets very, really uh, into the, the, the- We've been hearing the, about artificial intelligence quite a bit in the last couple of years. Where on the hype cycle is artificial intelligence? Well, we have one hype cycle just for technologies related to artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's probably many subsets of it as it well. It depends on the use case. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, artificial intelligence for uh, voice recognition, for image recognition is, is very mature. But artificial intelligence for autonomous driving is very immature. So it, it, it spans the whole hype cycle. Very interesting. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a very, a very great pleasure. Thank you.